Welcome to the Boricua American Podcast, where we talk about a whole bunch of stuff related to being Puerto Rican and American. From our own personal experiences growing up bicultural, to highlighting Boricua people, events, history, good, bad, everything in between. You can find us on Instagram at American underscore podcast. Or join our Facebook group, also called Boricua American. Or follow our Facebook page, also called Boricua American. We want you to remember Boricua American. <laughs> you can also reach us by emailing me, nancylimpinto at gmail.com. Usually I have my sister Yovani with me, but this time life. So <laughs> my husband is here to fill in. Hi, Chris. Hello, Nancy. You may have heard him before. He's done this before. <laughs> How many do you think this is? I don't know. Nine? Maybe. I don't know. No, less than Maybe, ten. Maybe, yeah, probably like five. Four? We'll, we'll verify that oh, wait, and get yeah. back. <laughs> Very important. But as usual, no, I, it's not fair because <laughs> I, I didn't, I just threw the notes at him and said, hey, will you do this with me? So he doesn't know, you know, in advance all the things we're going to talk about. As per usual, I am extremely undereducated <laughs> on the subject. So you're going to read and learn as you go along. Looking all forward right. to it. So today we're going to get geographically geeky. <laughs> I want to talk about Isla de Mona, a.k.a. in English, Mona Island. Why? Because it's a part of Puerto Rico, not just physically or politically, but as I have come to learn personally, it's full of history. Right now it's uninhabited, but, well, right now it should never be inhabited. It's uninhabited, but the Taino people used to live there. And Columbus and his cohort visited when they found the islands in 1493 there's actually evidence of settlement. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. So Isla Mona is gorgeous. If you see some videos online, it is a gorgeous island. It's beloved by those in the scientific, biology, nature, history, education communities. And um, I admit that I knew nothing about Mona Island going into this. I mean, I'd, I'd heard of it. I knew where it was, but I didn't know anything about it. But now I'm fascinated on like by so many things. And I have a feeling that Mona Island isn't really in the quote-unquote general knowledge category. So I wanted to consolidate and share some of what I've learned. And I hope you guys enjoy. Mona Island is actually also somewhere that you can visit with careful planning, with the proper permits, the proper gear. And if you want to unplug, get away from it all, be in nature on an in, uninhabited island camp under the stars, then a trip to Mona Island may actually be for you. Let's start with geography. Technically, Puerto Rico is an archipelago in the Caribbean Sea, part of the Greater Antilles in the West Indies. It consists of 143 islands, most of them tiny and uninhabited. You have the mainland, Puerto Rico, then next in size are Vieques, Culebra, and Isla de Mona, or in English, Mona Island. It's hard to imagine, but Mona Island rose up out of the ocean millions of years ago due to the shifting of tectonic plates. Where is Mona Island? It's 45 miles west of western Puerto Rico, halfway to the Dominican Republic. This protected nature reserve is seven miles long and four miles wide. It's shaped kind of like a lima bean or maybe a heart drawn by a three-year-old. 
<laughs> if this sounds red, it's because I'm reading it. <laughs> like we said, I haven't seen this before. <laughs> so it's kind of a reading test for myself. Okay. Uh, it's one big limestone plateau. It's all made of limestone? Mm-hmm. And dolomite, to be technical. Well, <laughs> I didn't know that going in. <laughs> so, say you land on the beach, you look up and all around the perimeter, and what you see is these vertical rock cliffs as high as 300 feet up. And the top is all flat, hence plateau. plateau. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The only people you'll find there are authorized personnel from the Puerto Rico Department of Natural and Environmental Resources. Scientists, photographers, eco-travelers, and tourists who love nature so much, they went through the trouble of getting there to camp out and enjoy. The rangers keep an eye on everything and everyone and do things like conduct research projects. And if you love plants and animals, this place is for you. Isla Mona as I look to my wife to make sure I'm pronouncing this correctly. Isla Mona is sometimes called the Galapagos of the Caribbean. There are a number of species endemic to Mona. Several are endangered or threatened, and authorities are working to remove invasive species. They are the ground iguana, the yellow-shouldered blackbird, the boa, the high chumbo cactus, and the hawksbill sea turtle. Fun fact, the iguana has a length of four feet and is completely harmless. Hopefully these populations rise to a level where they no longer will be endangered. A four-foot iguana. That's harmless? That's what I read. <laughs> is it harmless to animals less than four feet long? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I assume to humans, though. Harm- harmless to humans. Harmless to humans. They probably okay. just stick to their right. uh, to their ecosystem. So those are all animals except for the cactus, unless it's some kind of cactus or some kind of animal I haven't heard of. <laughs> oh no, that is a, a plant. That's technically a plant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, besides those, of course, you're gonna find a whole bunch of other birds and reptiles and in the water fishies and all kinds of things. <laughs> so yeah. And lots and lots of varieties of plants. So very, very rich flora and fauna on the island. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. So shall we do a little history? Let's do a little history. It is believed that the Tainos were the first settlers on Mona Island 5,000 years before Columbus. In fact, some stone tools were found that date to around 3,000 BC. The original name of the island is actually Amona, which is the Taino word meaning that which is in the middle. I love that's so literal because in the middle of yeah. Hispaniola and Puerto Rico, yeah. they grew food. They lived in caves where petroglyphs were found. Um, these petroglyphs tell us about the Taino beliefs. For example, some of them were of semis or deities, gods. Now, for those of our listeners who may not have paid attention every day in anthropology class. <laughs> What exactly is a petroglyph? A petroglyph. A petroglyph. I'm assuming one of those like drawings on the side of the cave. Yeah, it's carved in. Okay. All right. Exactly. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, I'm doing it for their benefit. Petro from rock. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um, any other questions, Peter? No, I think that's good for now. Thank okay. You. Peter Petro, uh, your 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 middle name derives from rock. I am rock. Mm-hmm. 
little etymology. Okay. So in 1493, Christopher Columbus and his crew discovered Mona Island, in, where the Dainos were living. In 1511, Christopher's, I don't know why this is important, but Christopher's brother Bartolomé took charge of Mona Island. But it seems that there was no plan to settle the island on a permanent basis because of where it was located, and it's tiny. Next, let's fast forward. We know what happened in the decades following the arrival of the Spaniards to the region in general. War ensued, slavery, almost near decimation of the Tainos. This is interesting. Mona Island also frequently saw pirate activity. For example, in the late 1600s, Captain Kidd stopped by while on the run during a, mes- during a mission. Like, pirates would use Mona Island as a hideout. And in the early 1800s, a pirate named Roberto Cofresi, referred to throughout Puerto Rico as El Pirata Cofresi, made Mona Island his base of operations. Mm. Methinks we should do a future episode about Cofresi. All right. That one sounds really interesting. Yeah. He was kind of known as um, a Robin Hood of sorts. All right. From the mid-1800s until 1927, the caves on Mona Island were mined by the Spanish, the U.S., and others for bat guano. I just wanted you to say guano. <laughs> Which we all know is bat crap. Correct? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Guano was a valuable fertilizer and used to make gunpowder. Still used by developing nations, by the way. During that time, there would be 300 to 400 workers mining for guano. No more. That doesn't happen anymore. No? But yeah, the caves were... Uh, a lot of bats lived in the caves. Is that like the bat... The, or the bat? Is that like the cave we went to in uh, Arecibo? Oh, I guess... Yeah. Would be similar. Well, we went during the day. Yeah. Oh, there, but right? there were supposedly bats on yeah. the ceiling. Yeah. But we just keep our voices down as to <laughs> uh, not alarm them. Yeah. Okay. Spain lost control of Puerto Rico and therefore Mona Island to the U.S. in 1898 during the Spanish-American War. In 1962, Mona Island came under the control of the government of Puerto Rico. Since 1973, it's been under the administration of the Puerto Rico Department of Natural and Environmental Resources. They actually take very good care of the island. It's a paradise of biodiversity, and they want to keep it that way, so there's a lot of rules. For starters, no more than 100 people on the island at any given time. But if you want to be one of those 100, it's worth it. Listen on. (laughs) So, visiting the island. I feel like I'm, I think we've said this before, but I feel like I'm doing the parade where Frasier was like calling the parade with Mary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dr. Mary. Maybe Dr. Mary. All right. So first, you have to be pretty adventurous and in general good shape to visit the island. Diehard nature lovers spend the day, or they camp on the beach for a few days. There's two. Or, there's a lot of beaches, but there's two or three where you can actually camp on. And one has a bathroom and showers, I think. So, anyway. You have to plan as far out in, in advance as possible. They're talking months if you can. Because you need permits, camping gear, and provisions. There's no cell service, no food, no establishments. No drinking water, nada. It's hot as hell year-round, 
between 80 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit, even in the shade. The vegetation can be thorny and poisonous. It's the tropics, so you have insects. And there's native wildlife everywhere, including in the water, right? The fish. The terrain is craggy and uneven, and there aren't many signs around the island, so it's easy to get lost. As a blogger named Gwen posted on PuertoRicoDayTrips.com, quote, the island seems designed to fight back against human intrusion, end quote. To get there, you take a three or four. So, uh, yeah, if none of this deters you, um, to get there, you take a three or four hour boat ride across the Mona Passage. This is fun. What is the Mona Passage? It's an 80 mile long strait between the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. It, it, um, it also connects the Atlantic and the Caribbean. And it's an important maritime shipping route. But it does have a reputation for being dangerous. It's windy, it's stormy, you know, like harsh waves. So do take that into account if you get seasick or anxious, if if you're an anxious traveler. Yeah, I won't get all scientific, but it's something about the conditions underwater. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's near the deepest trench of the Atlantic and all this stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's not. I take their word for it. No problem. Yeah. I'm not going. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so it could be a three-hour ride, a four-hour, a six-hour yeah. ride, you know. So your best bet, especially if you're a tourist and you don't have access to a boat, is just to hire a tour operator. And they can handle everything from A to Z. They're experienced. There's a few online if you want to check them out. We personally have not been to Mona, so we can't really recommend anyone intelligently. <laughs> um, so exploration once you're on the island if you would like to explore you know what um why don't you take over um can i ask a question yes please now uh you told us about the four foot long iguanas yes do you know what any of the other types of uh, native wildlife are not not specifically i just Uh. looked up the endangered ones okay i'm sorry no that's all right i was just curious like are there tigers Probably not. Oh, I don't think there's tigers. <laughs> I think it's mainly that, like the reptiles, snakes and iguanas okay. and yeah. lots of birds and mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But there you know, there's a lot of pests now and stuff, some mm. invasive species. Okay. Once you get there, there's a lot to do on this tiny island. There's pristine beaches where you can swim in the clear turquoise waters, lay out and watch the sunset. That's my kind of beach. Yeah. <laughs> You can snorkel or scuba dive. There's lots of coral reefs and fishies to see. (laughs) Thank you for having me say fishies. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) There's hiking trails, camping areas, 200 caves. At least. Oh, my God. I would Mm -hmm. not go in those if they're not regulated. (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) they probably are now. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 200 caves, shipwreck sites, and a lighthouse built in 1900 by the U.S. government. You can also hunt non-indigenous pigs and goats, allowed for population control. You can fish, birdwatch, or stargaze. All right, that answered my question. I was wondering if they had, like, pigs and goats. Can you murder them and eat them? Yeah, I suppose so. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the process is. We can look it up. All right, interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of one of those, uh, I think it was Survivor show where I remember this dude made a spear, and he was chasing after this little pig. <laughs> oh. I believe he murdered it. Oh, dear. Yeah. Don't they do that in Texas? They hunt the wild boar for population yeah. control? Yeah. And they feed people with them. 
I would think that's the normal like thing to do, ethical yeah. thing to do. Yeah. All right. Something else you could do is explore tangible evidence of Taino history and culture. They've found artifacts, bottles, ceramics, and other relics. They've found skeletons, graves, and ruins of old Taino villages. There are petroglyphs and pictographs on cave walls. Pictographs are painted. Petroglyphs are carved, as we said before. Yeah. I had to look that up. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Some of the markings were actually Christian symbols and writing, suggesting that the Spaniards were there and interacted with the Tainos. For example, next to the Taino pictures, they found pictures of the cross plus biblical words and phrases in Spanish and Latin. A couple of those were Dios te perdone, meaning may God forgive you. Verum caro factum est. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Verbum caro factum est. I don't know. I didn't look it up. <laughs> Verbum caro factum est. Latin for, and the word was made flesh. Referring, of course, to Jesus being born. And plura fecit dias. Deus. Deus. Pluto fecit Deus, meaning God made more, or God made many things. They've done carbon dating and determined these writings were done in the mid-1500s. They also found signatures, which, of course, weren't going to be the natives, because they didn't write like that. One of them was a dude named Francisco Alegre, a Spanish royal official who lived around that time and for a while was in charge of Mona Island. This has caused a lot of discussion about how the Europeans and natives interacted. The caves themselves weren't even easy to find. The markings were made deep in the darkest parts of the caves, not by the entrances, so the Tainos would have had to literally walk with the Spaniards to guide them. The markings the Europeans made were next to the Tainos, not overlapping, and the Tainos' markings weren't, like, crossed out or scratched off or defaced or anything like that. So... Maybe the Europeans and Tainos, who were a friendly tribe, actually got along and coexisted. Maybe, and these are the scientists theorizing based on their findings, maybe the colonizers didn't arrive on the island wielding their swords, ready to kill every native they saw right away. And I'm not saying that there wasn't a fight at all. I'm not saying to see races what happened. Of course, you know, there was a fight, there was what happened, happened. But maybe it didn't happen the way we've been taught. And then again, on the other hand, Spain and the church were on a mission to convert everybody to Catholicism by force. In fact, back in the mother country, they had discussions. This is so fucked up. They had discussions about whether or not the natives in all the Americas, not just Tainos, had rational souls, meaning the capacity to think and reason. I know. it's So it's plausible that some of the markings were actually made by Tainos who had converted to Christianity. So it's just something to, something to think about. It, it could be that the explorers actually, when they came face to face with the native people, having to depend on them because this land was completely unknown, had a kind of dialogue and maybe some sort of relationship. Hmm. Interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the way the, the pictures are. There, there's like the Taino petroglyphs and then next to them, the Christian stuff. All like next to each other. Right? You would think if, if the Spaniards had come in there just 
gangbusters, they might have like scratched it off. They might have said this yeah. is this is heathenism or you know. So I don't know. We weren't there. We weren't there. But studies like this at least bring a different viewpoint, like a little bit more nuanced discussion about it. Yeah. And that's it. That's what we got for now. I'm looking at some of the pictures of the island. Mm hmm. And it looks like a tropical paradise. It does. I've seen a couple of videos. It's absolutely gorgeous. You know, I've heard that when <laughs> they say that some people, like the Puerto Ricans, when you mention Mona Island, they're like, ooh, like this reverence and this, like, um, almost like a fear. Because there's so much myth around it. Oh, and really? maybe maybe the mode of passage being so like the waters being so violent. Uh, kinda like the <laughs> or, Bermuda Triangle, maybe. Maybe. And so it's like it's probably scary to even go there and then once you get there, maybe it's haunted. Ooh. It I bet I know, haunted <laughs> but maybe you do feel like the spirits of the Tainos mm. there. You know, like when you go to a place like like if you go to the Vatican or you go to the Colosseum in Rome mm. or like my friend who just went to Israel, you know, seeing the, the the path that Jesus and she's Jewish, but the path that Jesus walked, like knowing people were there and mm -hmm. live there. And this was their yeah. day to day place. Like it's just this crazy, surreal, spiritual feeling. Are we going? Not yet. Because <laughs> you have to plan so far yeah. in advance. And it's all camping. Do people go for the day? It's kind of yeah, a, you can get a day pass. Let's see, 45 miles in a boat. How quick? Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that in one, because especially if it's like three hours at the the quickest. Oh. I don't want to do three that. Three hours and each then, way. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, we're probably not going there. No, and I'm not a camper, so yeah. <laughs> I would not do well. But, yo, listeners, if this sounds, you know, if 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 you've just put this on your bucket list or you have any questions... Or, you know, any experiences being there, going there, please share. We'll find out what kind of uh, campers and uh, wildlife enthusiasts we have out there. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see the petroglyphs. That's the one yeah. thing. I'm going to have to just see them on the mainland next time we're there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Chris, thank you for co-hosting with me. Pleasure. Uh, again, we're at... Uh, on Instagram at Boricuamerican underscore podcast. On Facebook, uh, a group and a page at Boricuamerican. And you can email me, nancylimpinto at gmail.com. We're here for you. Love to hear from you. Please give us a rating, uh, a, a nice one if you're so inclined. And a review, a nice one if you're so inclined. And tell a friend if you're so inclined. We appreciate you. Thank you. Have a great day. Gracias. Ciao. Boberias. It's hard to imagine, but Mona Island rose up out of the ocean's millions of years. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, but Mona Island rose up out of the ocean millions of years ago due to shifting. Oh, God. One more time. <laughs> you got this. It's hard to imagine, but Mona Island rose up out of the ocean millions of years ago due to shifting of tectonic plates. Tectonic plates. One more time. <laughs> you got this. Several are endangered. <laughs> What's so funny? I'm just cracking up because every time I say a hard word, I look over for approval. No. <laughs> there are a number of. Sp <laughs> this is English. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is believed that the Tainos were the first settlers on Mona Island. 
5,000 years before Columbus, in fact. Whoops. <laughs> that is syntax that, is all off. Is that supposed to be 5 million years before Columbus? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is, it is believed that the Tainos... It is believed that the Tainos were... Whoa. This is English. Yes, it was. <laughs> The caves on Mona Island were mined by the Spanish. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dios te perdón, meaning may God forgive you. Perdone. Sorry. I'll try it again. They've done carbon dating and turn. They've done carbon dated. Oh God. <laughs> the uh. <laughs> I want to say polygraphos. I could tell. The. Bravissimo. <laughs> Boberias. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are going to be longer than the podcast. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now I lost my place. <laughs>